Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, December 27th. It is past one in the morning as I record here on the West Coast. To be honest, guys, I am exhausted, uh, overtired, and like a weird slash funny version of myself. So I don't really know what we're going to get. It might be hilarious. It might be confusing. I'm hoping that I just normalize out once we get started and in the flow of things. But regardless, I do have a loaded podcast for today. We are going to talk about me winning the biggest bet of my life. A little Christmas miracle brought to me by Santa's helpers, the Mavericks and the Suns. I'm going to break down the strategy behind that and the sharpness of a market and how you could play into that. I'm going to discuss tonight's, last night's. Tuesday night's results for me it's tonight because I haven't gone to sleep yet but I guess for you guys it'll be last night Tuesday night's results kind of the emotional roller coaster that sports gambling is and I think a lot of you who listen to this podcast know I've been on an incredible hot streak like it has been a heater unlike any other so I am going to discuss kind of the schedule of a gambler and how you handle a hot streak through that so kind of gets back to why I'm so exhausted. Of course, we also are going to go through every single game on the Wednesday NBA board. I break down best bets, line movement trends, where my action is, what the handicap processes, where these numbers started, where they are now, where you could find the best odds, and where you think they might end up. Shall we get it going? Let's do it. I'm the type to get shit done. You the type to observe. March Madness on my speakers, but today's November 23rd. Got something loud in the blunt, yeah. I don't say what I want, yeah. Probably somewhere sunny and tan. Foreign women in the sun, yeah. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. Come my brothers with me. Come my brothers with me and my mama's healthy. That's all that I need. All right, before we get started, quick little housekeeping and a few reminders. Please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. Of course, you can watch this as a show on the Fantasy Basketball International YouTube channel. And make sure to check out their website, their Discord, their rankings, some of their other amazing people in the space. If you play fantasy basketball, check out a guy like Adam King's Balls Deep podcast, which I appear on every weekend breaking down next week's streamers and NBA schedule. So definitely check out those resources. And of course, if you like all of my content, you should definitely be signed up for fiddlespicks.substack.com. That is my completely free gambling newsletter. That is the first place that I send out all of my picks and write-ups. Pretty much every day besides Wednesday, because on Wednesdays, you got to listen to the pod to get the picks. But every other day, if I got picks, I will send out a write-up through fiddlespicks.substack.com. And lastly, really quick, exciting announcement. On Friday, I'm going to be sending out a little questionnaire of who am I's of active NBA players. I have a bunch of NBA sports cards that I would love to give away to people as holiday presents. So I put together like a little NBA trivia that I'm going to be sending out from the Substack on Friday morning. So as long as you are signed up, you will get that and you can enter to win some fun holiday giveaways. All right, let's get this show started. Like I said, I had a Christmas miracle. Santa's helpers, baby, 
Luca, Booker. Booker actually helped me by missing a bunch of shots. Uh, Grayson Allen. Yo, that was my main elf on Christmas. Anyways, I want to talk about the strategy and explain why I hit such a big middle on Christmas in the Mavericks Suns game from a NBA total perspective. So let's peel back the curtain on NBA Christmas games and understand that when you have a Christmas spotlight like that, those games have been priced for months, like months. We had the Christmas game schedule gambling odds before the first game of the season tipped off. I started betting Christmas games myself in early November when I saw the uh, Nuggets were absolutely rolling. I saw the Warriors looked like an absolute shell of themselves, like the dynasty was absolutely over. And I saw the number was Nuggets minus four and a half, and it was just sitting there. Now, this was even before Jamal Murray ended up missing like a month for his hamstring injury and then coming back. So I definitely got worried that I had a future bet on a game line in without Murray because the, it was off the board while Murray was hurt. But I got that four and a half because I love backing favorites at the four and a half. I think we're going to talk about it today. I think there is a potential minus four and a half on the board that we like. But we know that seven, five, six, and eight are the four most common outcomes in NBA games. So if you can get a favorite at the 4.5, you really like to play into those spots, not blindly. You don't just play any 4.5 blindly. But if it correlates with having a primetime game where you know they're going to rest situations are probably at a minimum. You know there's not going to be any back-to-back situations because the entire NBA is off on Christmas Eve. You know they're going to be Denver at home with that strong home court advantage in altitude. So I had all these factors where I was like, yeah, I definitely want to play the defending champs in a Christmas game. So I played that Denver Nuggets minus 4.5 line a while ago. I ended up playing it again at 5.5. It closed at 6.5 or 7, and it landed on the 6. So it was really lucky of me, really nice CLV obtained. I guess CLV was the story of my day. CLV stands for closing line value. That means that I got the 4.5. The line ends up at 6.5. And because I have two points better than the live line was the reason why I won my bet was the reason why I have a positive expected value on my wager, because if 6.5 now right before the game tips off represents the 50, 50 chance of winning that bet, but I have obtained five as a winning number and I've obtained six as a winning number by moving this down from six and a half to four and a half then I have the increased chances that this game lands on five or four, I mean, five or six, I'm sorry, on my side of the ticket, which means my chances are 50% plus the chance that it lands on a five plus the chance that it lands on a six. Now, if that gets to over because I paid minus 110, that correlates with an implied probability of 52.38. This is a damn nerdy podcast for me to be exhausted and tired on. I guess I I guess I normalized out. But if I'm paying minus 110, that correlates with a 52.38% implied probability 
implied probability becomes the hit rate needed to be profitable. That is not your expected value. The expected value is 50% plus the CLV numbers that I've obtained and their likelihood of hitting. And then is that above 52.38? The answer was yes, clearly, uh, very much so. There was above a 2% chance. It was above a 3% chance that the game landed on five or six. It ended up landing on six, and my CLV won the day. Now, this is a long-winded way of me to start talking about the Mavericks-Suns game, which the line for the total, and totals didn't come out right as the spreads did. Spreads came out before the season started. Total started coming online maybe around Thanksgiving. And the total for that Mavericks-Suns game was 230.5. And it was there pretty across the board. I, I, I wrote it down. I take screenshots of things. So I had screenshots saved. I had Christmas futures saved on it. And it was 230.5 everywhere that it came up. But recently, we've seen the Mavericks start to really play with pace, which is new for them because under Jason Kidd, they haven't historically played with that much pace, but even without Kyrie, and, and generally Kyrie has been their player to push the pace, but even sans Kyrie, this team has been playing with a blistering pace and shooting the most threes in the league. So they were a clear over team. They were going against Book and KD, which that's as clear as day of his over team as you can get. We'll also get to that in today's slate. And it was like, yeah, that's going to start to tick up. So it needed to be higher than 230.5. However, I didn't see it then. I noticed it on, what was it, Saturday night, two days before Christmas, when all of the other books moved that line to 234.5. I said, wait a second. There's one book that has it listed at 230.5. There's another book. It was BetMGM. There was a second book, FanDuel, which had it posted at 234.5. There was DraftKings, which had it at 235.5. There was five points of middle value just sitting there. Now, talk about implied probability. Talk about expected value. If you set up a position where you're paying minus 110s and betting over 230.5 and under, originally the best line was 234.5, and you have these four points of middle zone, then the question that you're asking yourself is, does that have above a 5% chance of landing in that range? Because the implied probability that you pay betting minus 110s on opposite lines when you're in a win one, lose one, or win both, you can no chance in hell. If you figure it out, I'll pay you a gazillion dollars. If you figure out what number is both uh, doesn't, or you figure out how you lose both of over 230.5 and under 234.5. There's no number that exists. You either win one, lose one, or you win both. That's a positive middle. 
So within that positive middle, do you have a 5% chance of that to hit? Now, I'm not going to totally tell everyone my numbers. That is part of my secret sauce. I do share a lot of secrets, but the value of certain numbers is something that I've spent a lot of time developing. The answer was yes. And I'll tell you, the answer is blanketly yes. In any time, you're going to have four points of NBA total value just sitting there. So when I saw 234.5 and 230.5, I immediately just bet those both pretty heavily. And I tilted it. I bet more on the over 230.5 because there was one book that was that low. And there was two books that were sitting up higher. So I knew the consensus in the market, if we asked three people, the consensus is what two out of the three say. I knew the consensus in the market was that higher number. So I was going to tilt my exposure. And I originally put like three or four units on the over. And I played it back with two units on the under. said, okay, let's go crazy on this. Let's put it in a situation where... It's 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 eating vig loss between half a unit and, and a quarter of a unit in the way that those play against each other, tilting it towards the win on the over, and also setting myself for a potential six-unit middle. That's pretty standard practice of mine. Now, what's not standard was that FanDuel line at 234.5. I hope you're following with me. It's not too confusing. That FanDuel line that was 234.5 moved to 235.5. And BetMGM's 230.5 still sat there. And I said, okay, now there's five points of middle as opposed to four. So there's even more positive expected value on the bet. We also have an indicator that the market might still go. We got the 234.5 catching up to the 235.5. That means people who didn't see the bet MGM or were still betting to this market, some of them scooped up FanDuel's over 234.5 for them to want to move it up. And then I'm sitting there looking at the damn screen with 230.5 still sitting there. I literally put the entire account on it. Not my whole bankroll, because my whole bankroll is all of my sports books and all of my accounts added together to what my cumulative betting bankroll. But I put every dollar that I could on at BetMGM on that line. And I knew I have could play it back. I could just sit back and watch and wait for either of those books to start moving the other way and boom and pick it off and play it back the other direction, still with positive value. All right, so the only parts that had me nervous was when I was sleeping, because I had a good amount on it, and I didn't want to go to sleep and me to wake up, and it's there at, you know, everywhere 230.5, because some news break and BetMGM was actually the one ahead of everything, and and I'm sitting there with egg on my face, just eating big loss to having to work off this ticket somehow. So I had some people that were keeping eyes on it for me. 
I had my alerts on. I had my volumes on. I was genuinely nervous to go to sleep at times. That's how you know you have too much. <laughs> Maybe the risk was too high. No, it wasn't, clearly. The line ends. I wake up. It's 2.36 and a half at 2.37 at a place. And I'm like, yo, I'm good. I'm in a great fucking situation. I am going to bully the market here. Let's see where this goes. It goes to 2.37 and a half. I start to see 238s. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. 238. 239 pops up. I'm 239. I have nine, eight and a half points of CLV. We could keep doing this process. It was the same reaction over and over and over and over again until that shit landed at 243. 243. When I saw 243, I jumped in immediately. I was like, yo. It's an hour before. At this point, it was an hour before the game. That's how much time it consistently ticked up from when I originally bet it. On Saturday night, I went to sleep. I wake up. I see the 236s. And I'm like, yeah, okay, we're good. Then I see us. We're still slowly going, right? And then, and meanwhile, BetMGM had moved it also to 235 and a half too. So I was like, I am in the clear. Every book is now pricing this at 236, 237. I have 14 options of places where I can bet this at 238, at 238 and a half, at, 23, at 243, like an hour before the game, two, an hour and a half before the game. I was like, all right, that's enough. It's actually moved so much at this point that there inevitably has to be some buyback. And it's probably going to quickly go back to 241 and a half when people slam this under. So let me be the first person that slams this under. So I would say my whole BetMGM account correlated to about 15 units. I originally bet two units at FanDuel on the under 234 and a half. And I proceeded to bet another eight units sprinkled around at different sports books that had the 243. I didn't want to, it was enough that I didn't want to start setting alerts off. And I sometimes get worried about being limited. So I split my bet across all these places that had the 243 available. And there was a lot of them. I said, great, boom. I have 12 and a half points of CLV, 15 units on the line that it's positively tilted towards, 10 units of playback action at different numbers, and a ceiling to legitimately win 25 units on this bet if it lands in that in that small middle or 20 units if it lands in the bigger middle. Yeah. It landed in the bigger middle. It landed at 242. I it, I had the under 243. It landed at 242, dog. 242. I don't know. I, I don't know how long I will always remember the specific details of this. And I'll tell you, my memory is probably my strongest feature, my strongest quality as a human. I have like a freak level memory. Like, take me somewhere once I could get you back there. Cook a recipe for me once and show me how to do it. I can make it for the rest of my life because smell and the amygdala are very connected. I have a freak memory. I am going to remember this 
Luka Doncic's 50-point Christmas miracle. Landing at 242, Grayson Allen and Chemezi Metu. Nice to fucking meet you. Thank you for keeping up with Durant and Booker's poor shooting. But also at the same time, Durant and Booker, thanks for shooting so poorly because I don't really care what happened. I'm just glad it landed at 242. I took home plus 19.7 units on that game. And you know I have a bankroll too. I guess some of you might not know. I should do a recent I should do another podcast on bankroll management soon. But I use 1.2% of my bankroll to describe one unit. So that means 19.7 multiplied by 1.2 23.64. My betting bankroll just grew 24%. That that's like the it was a big deal. It was a really big deal. Uh we've made it 21 minutes into the pod. This is gonna be way too long of a podcast on a night that I'm overtired. The reason why it worked out, and the reason why that was so smart to do was because I was playing into the idea that some of these markets are incredibly sharp. Specifically NBA markets. Specifically NBA totals. Because they could take large action. And who's betting large action at NBA totals? Sharps. And syndicates. And betting groups. And the the markets... You have so much information for these sports books to price these totals. You have so much information for these syndicates to create their own model and algorithm to price it so that when you start to bet it, where it closes is going to be really accurate. Now, 242 to 243, like that's not always going to happen. But I did write down some recent examples from literally just the past week of games where it might not be within the CLV zone, but my bet landed like one or two points off what the closing line was. Jets minus three this past weekend. Fuck them. Fuck, who, who's the bigger schmuck? Me or the Jets? The Jets, clearly. To the Jet. The answer is the Jets. Jets won by two. I had the minus three. They blew a 21-point lead in the second half. Thanks, Jets. Uh, Mavericks, 243. That bitch landed at 242. Nuggets, we talked about that one earlier. I had the 5.5 when it landed at 6. Tonight, last night, Clippers, Hornets. Terry Rogier is getting a strongly worded email from me. This man, I have Clippers minus 10.5. It is sitting on 11. There's 20 seconds left in the game. There's no reason to do anything. But Terry Rozier just whoop, whoop, Euro step, lay up. And then you literally hear them go, don't foul, don't foul. And they just let the Clippers dribble out a nine-point win. I had the 10.5. It was 11 with 21 seconds left. And there's literally zero reason to put the ball in the hoop. Scary Terry, you will be getting a strongly worded email from me. Uh, the Hawks Bulls tonight, last night, Tuesday. Total was 235. 
I originally bet the under. I thought Trey Young was going to be out. Trey Young ended up playing in. I ended up betting off of it and taking eating big loss and betting the over. Also at 235. I just had a bunch of 235s across the board. Uh, it's at 232 with the Bulls taking a three-pointer in the final seconds. So if the Bulls make that three, it lands at 235. Also, like Scary Terry, it was a meaningless three. So, of course, I got, I didn't get the benefit of the meaningless shot. I got the, the, bad, the bad end of it. Uh, Wizards Warriors played a few days ago. It was two or three games ago. The under was 247 and a half. Lands at 247. After that, the Warriors played the Blazers. These were both these were the two games prior to Christmas. Their opening line is 233.5. Closing line is 231. Lands 232. So those are literally all examples that I personally bet over the last week. How that these NFL and these NBA markets are very sharp especially close to tip. We know who's active. We know we can project rotations. We have all of the syndicate money in. We have the highest limits available at the books. So we're going to get the bigger bets. We're going to react to that. That's where the smartest money comes in. The one guy betting $50,000 on a line generally knows what he's doing more than the 100 people betting 15 bucks. You would hope. Uh, so you can play into the idea that these markets are really sharp. And at a certain point, you can just, and this is almost my philosophy, is that you can approach the sports betting market with an idea that your goal is to just beat the closing line. Like I just want to have a better number than what my book currently offers right as the game tips off. Now, if I have a Nuggets minus 4.5 and that closes at Nuggets minus 6.5, I did good. That is a positive expected value wager. It is a very sharp market. I can be sure that the 6.5 represents what the consensus, what it really should be. I hate when people look at results and the Warriors end up winning that game or some bullshit. And they're like, yeah, Warriors actually should have been favorited by three. Look like, no, it should be nuggets minus six and a half. And I don't expect the nuggets to win by six and a half. You schmuck. There's, there's consensus. I'd be okay with someone telling me someone so should win by 3.82. I'd be like, all right, you're probably onto something then kind of model are you working with so you could play into the sharpness of some of these markets and if you're simply gonna get something that's moving this large then throw so much money at it because then you could just play it back the other direction if you are very sure like if you have a if you have a significant difference in pricing between books just play into it and then watch which gets into like the schedule component. Perfect transition. You also have to consider your own personal schedule. Not everyone has as much time as me to 
be around and watch a sports books odds board. Let me pull it up. This is the current. This is one of the current boards for the NBA tonight. And I'm literally just have every single sports book listed at the top. And again, only some of them. And where the lines are currently. And I will see things like these light ups. Green represents a change within the past 10 minutes. So within the past 10 minutes, Circa moved something at the Raptors versus Washington. And I could tell you just by looking at it right now and having spent way too much time looking at this screen, they moved that 239.5 to 240. There is over movement at a sharp book on the Toronto versus Washington. So now I'm like, okay, look, the Caesars listed at 238 right now. Right? I'm going to go look to Caesars and say, okay, there's movement happening towards the over. Let's grab the best possible number we can, play it in that direction. And if we have a chance to play it back once we've obtained nice value, then play it back. And if you could obtain two great numbers in the market and you can win one, lose one, or win both, you can't lose both. Your risk level is not that high. If you bet 15 units in each direction, you are betting 16.5 units to win 15. And then you play back the other side, 16.5 units to win 15, assuming these are both minus 110s. In that situation, if you didn't hit your middle, you are going to win one of those bets and win 15 units, and you are going to lose one of those bets and lose 16 and a half units. And the net result of you betting 30 units into the market was a max at worst situation of losing 1.5 units. But you could have won 30. You had a 20x payout. Now, if you do that with the right numbers, and bully the market in these situations, we're talking, we're talking, you, you we're, 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 we're talking, baby. I, I, I don't like to share too many details on how, on how we're talking, but we are talking. All right. Uh, what else did I want to go over? Oh, scheduling quickly. It is important to consider your schedule as you're doing these things and, and betting into these big positions because if you're not available to be aware of how the lines are currently moving, you might get a situation where they start moving against you and you're like, shit, now the line's back where it was and I just have to bet my 16.5 units on the other side with no positive middle and then I'm just eating 1.5 units of loss right off the bat. Now, it's not the end of the world. If you have smart bankroll management strategies, that shouldn't be that big of a deal. You don't want that to happen regularly at all. But if you are going to insert a big position, make sure one, your personal schedule lines up where you can stay on top and aware of the market. So you know when it meets its resistance point, 
say that 243 for that Mavs Suns started to tick back down to 242, 242.5. It's like, or like if a 242 went back to 241.5, I would have been like, all right, that, there it is. Time to go. So you have to be aware of the market and when it meets its resistance and know how to play back. But if you can put huge wagers and get both sides of a best number on a mover, yeah, sign, sign yourself up for that. Uh, that was scheduling of when you're placing these big wagers. I do want to quickly talk about when you're riding as hot as I am. There was a point last week or two weeks ago or earlier, like 10 days ago, where I won 16 bets in a row. There was then another point where I won another eight straight. So I had these two little runs and then I ha- and then I won the biggest bet of my life. So 16 in a row, eight in a row biggest bet of my life it's literally been the craziest heater and because of my bankroll management and my scaling principles i really will do an episode on that soon i've been winning so i've been betting bigger than i ever have it's not the same x dollars that i put in at the beginning of the season no if i'm up 25 units and 25 percent, i want my average bet size now to reflect those winnings so i'm also betting more into the market and absolutely cleaning up uh, it was by far the most dominant stretch of my life. So, like, how do I handle a hot streak? What do I do? Do I take some time off? Do I subsequently get nervous that uh, I'm gonna like have misguided eyes and try and try and bet something too heavily? Am I scaling back my exposure? Am I betting heavier, knowing all right, we're we're cruising? Like, let's hit some lines and see if we could really let this thing go. And there's plenty of ways to skin a cat and there's multiple right answers to this. And it's definitely dependent on your individual philosophy. But the biggest takeaway of like how you handle a fucking heater like this, to me, you don't stop. Like you're not, you're not taking, the last thing you're doing is taking time off. You know, I call people who parlay dumb as fuck. You're going to be this hot and you're going to step away from the table. The dealer gives you four straight blackjacks and you get up like, all right. That's not smart. You need to you need to stay aware because you're at the point or for me in the sports betting world, I'm going to take it away from the blackjack example because I think there's more standard odds on what chances are the next blackjack could come based on the cards. or maybe. We just got all the aces and it is time to leave. You get the point. Let's assume it's a fresh shuffle. When you're doing this well in the sports betting market and you're keying in on NBA or NFL, like sharp sides that I pointed out went eight. No, I've won the last three weeks in NFL football. I've crushing the NBA market. I'm dominating in terms of CLV and the results are paying off too. You don't step away. And mainly because you're so locked in, or I'll keep I'll keep this personal for me. I'm so locked in that I'm so aware of how the previous games line movements have gone. I'm so aware of where these lines opened, where they closed, what the subsequent result was, 
who was active versus resting for those games, what the travel schedule is for these teams, what the rest situations have been, what the beat writers are starting to report. I am so locked into all of this stuff. If I have checked DeMichael Cole's Grizzlies Twitter page three times in the last three days, then on said fourth day, I have a subsequent information bank to work on. Hold on. Bronny needed to be let in. So the reason why you don't step away when you're running this hot, the reason why I'm so overtired, the reason why I'm exhausted right now is because I'm actually so aware. So I actually think it's the the reverse of like, oh, if you're so overtired, you need to sleep. I'll sleep. I'll get my time in. But when I do have the time and when I do have the right energy, I do need to be aware of the board because I'm aware of everything else surrounding the situation. I'm aware that Marcus Smart has been dealing with a foot injury and the flu. I'm aware that Zion been dealing. I, I, I could name half the players who have been dealing with this NBA bug recently. So you have to stay locked in when you are so locked in. You have to let this heater ride out. When I do go cold and I start getting frustrated and whatever, and I take a few days, like today, I ended up losing just under two units. The Pelicans, I was on minus 4.5. They were up 11 in the fourth and absolutely collapsed, missed free throws, turnovers, didn't get good foul calls, losing overtime. And it's like that was the difference of a winning versus losing night. But the, the bigger thing was I beat every single line last night. I had CLV in every single position that I was on. So, yeah, I lost two units, but I don't want to talk results. I want to talk process. And process has been so sharp. So while that's rolling, we are going to keep rolling. I need one of those days where just the NBA is not even on. I need like a two-game TNT Thursday where I don't really like the prices so I can take a step back. But for now, I am going to stay locked in for as long as this continues. I have no plans of slowing down. I'll get my sleep, fellas. Don't you worry about me. That's sweet of you, though. Um, What's next? Is is it time to break down the slate? Share this tab instead. All right. I'm going to share the FanDuel odd screen right now and start going through every single game on the board where my best bets are, where the sharp action on the slate is. Uh, I'm going to share with you the FanDuel odd screen, screen, and you should ideally be watching this on the Fantasy Basketball International YouTube channel. I will send out the link from the fiddlespicks.substack.com newsletter channel. A quick replug as we get nearly 40 minutes into the show. Long one today. Uh, I have the odds screen up. I'm going to go through it. But some of the numbers that I bet are different from the numbers that are currently presented on the board. So I will note where my bet number is, and I will also note if there's a better line available somewhere else. I do find FanDuel to have the best uh, like user interface for this stuff. Like the, I like the way the boxes are lit up and the way the list view is on the side. So for that reason, I go with the FanDuel odd screen to, sh- to share while I do a podcast, but you should have access to a lot of different books to bet the best number where it is, and I will be sure to point those things out. Also, we got a question from the audience saying, what is your favorite site, tools to reference, 
percent money versus percent bets on the lines. Uh, shout out to FanDuel for including that. You can click stats uh, literally on the tab on the bet page, and you can see 58% of the bets, 54% of the money on Philadelphia. My money's on Orlando. So I think FanDuel is a great resource and is generally the number one resource I use for determining betting splits. I also pay for a few premium services like VEASAN sends theirs, uh, DraftKings sends theirs to VEASAN. You can get something like Spanky. You can get something like Don Best. There are some premium, but they cost a lot. So you need to consider how much you're betting to what you can spend on betting resources because course you don't want the cost of your resources to outweigh the winnings that you're earning this is we do this for a reason right we're not trying to break even i mean there is an entertainment to it all but we i mean i'm fucking trying to win money uh i actually find it so dumb when people just tell me i'm fine losing i just wanted to submit this 12 leg parlay i'm like why is losing fun like why not how do you not slowly start to realize that when you win a few straights it's like wait this is the way to do it. This is actually way more fun. Most anyone listening to this podcast, 40 minutes, 41, you guys are on my side. All right. So where do I get those informations? Those are some of the resources. Uh, I also got a few questions on the Substack. It was, what websites do you use to track specific line movements? And how do you know where the smart money is? Uh, the websites that you use that you should use to track line movements ideally should be the books that you have access to. Like you can track a few other ones. If you feel like, Oh, this one's really sharp and maybe I should that. I don't really buy into that. I think you should know how your book is moving. You should know how, when the bets come online at the place that you most frequently bet or the few places that you most frequently bet, do the lines get posted at midnight? The night before, are they posted even in the afternoon? Do they wait until shoot around? Like there's different times for this stuff. So you need to be aware of when your board opens, what numbers they open at, and you should be tracking by checking in with your own accounts, you know, every hour or so. I think a quick and easy trick to do it is to take a screenshot of the odds board. And then when you come back to it in a half hour, Look at the difference and say, oh, there it is. You don't literally need to write down everything. You don't need to try and memorize everything. Just take a screenshot and compare it a half hour later and then delete the old screenshot and replace the new screenshot and you have the updated tracking. Little trick from the world's worst technology. <laughs> I should not be giving out advice on that stuff. All right, uh, let's go through this board. I am on the magic minus 2.5 for three quarters of a unit. A lot of this hinges on the Joel Embiid injury news. I do think Embiid is going to be out for this game. Uh, I just sense that him being in the two-game Florida trip from Christmas in Miami and sitting on that one to now playing in Orlando and the way that this is priced and Orlando Magic opening as a two-and-a-half-point favorite and taking movement and action, sharp money towards the three. Again, how do I say smart money? I say smart money because you could see 58% of the bets are on Philly, but only 54% of the money. So the people who are betting bigger bucks are betting the Orlando side. 
So generally that correlates with smart money. Not always, definitely not always, but generally it correlates. Um, and so in this case, I think it does on the Orlando Magic, especially with the line moving, despite this money coming in on Philly, despite 58% of the people liking the Philly line, despite 54% of the book's handle being on the Philly line, they're giving you a better Philly line. They're like, oh, you you liked plus two and a half? Here's plus three. So for me, that's like, mm, can I have the two and a half, please, on the Magic side? And they're like, no, sorry. Sorry, that's not available anymore, sir. But but we could offer you this Philadelphia 76ers plus three. You want it? No, no. I asked for the magic minus two and a half. Do you, do you, you don't have that? I'll take the magic minus three then. So that's how that conversation goes with the FanDuel waiter. Um, let me quickly check if the magic, the magic is available at 2.5 at Caesar Sportsbook and BetMGM right now. So you could still go get a uh, Magic minus 2.5 at those books. And you could also see that things like DraftKings are moving this out to minus 112 at the three. FanDuel has it here at the minus 110. But it's starting to be juiced on the... Uh... Where'd my pen go? It's starting to be juiced on the... Magic side, even at the three at other books. So that's a signal for me to maybe I want some more action on the two and a half. I lost my pen. All right, I'm going to write a note here then. Bear with me. Okay, I am going to, assuming that's there, after the show, I'm going to bump that up to... Uh, that up and I wanted to grab what was that Toronto versus let's check in on that in a second yeah okay I also liked the over and I got it at 224 and a half let's see if that is available anywhere quickly sorry uh, no, the best line available is 225, which you can be found at Bet Rivers. Uh, mainly starting to have 225.5s and 226s on the board for this game. I liked that that over uh, 224 and a half, and it's actually one of two 224s that I bet on this slate, which we'll get to the other in a second. Uh, I think 224 almost in this modern NBA is too low. I almost didn't really care if Embiid was active or not. That's why I originally bet the 76ers over for the full unit, and I only bet the Magic for three-quarters of a unit because I didn't have full confidence in the Embiid news. Now there's clear signals from the market where that, which direction that's going to go, so I'm willing to up my Magic exposure. Now that the total's at 225.5, I'll just leave it there at my one unit on 224.5. But that means I like my position. There's other 226s popping up. Magic are on the second leg of a back-to-back after taking on the Wizards. Uh, they are home for this game. But I do think with or without Joel, if Joel's in, he's going to get to the line 100 times. If Joel's out, 76ers are going to play more through Oubre, Tobias, Maxi, perimeter game, three-point shooting, B-ball Paul, five outs, things like that. And that's another clear over. So I think both 
Philadelphia 76ers teams are over situations. I know the Magic are a great defensive team, but it hasn't led to low-scoring games for them. It's more like they can get really good defensive stops in the right uh, portions of games, and they could really string together some really strong defensive efforts. But some of their games are still particularly high-scoring that I don't mind backing the over. We have the the, the Magic are 13-15 and 15 between the over-under on the year. The uh, 76ers are 20-9 and nine to the over. They're also 20 and 9 to the money line, and they are 20 and 9 to the spread. Interesting. All right. I grabbed the Toronto Raptors minus six originally. It is now at 6.5. I think we're going to pretty much see it flatten there at 6.5. There were even a few sevens, but now it's universally back to six and six and a half. So we've seemed to see see where the water has leveled. But uh when I saw six and then I saw six move to six point five. Having knowing like knowing the value of these numbers, I am willing to play into that spot and figure it out later. Like give me the minus six, and maybe this moves to if it moves to seven, good, I have great value. If it moves to seven and a half, I have playback value. If it moves to eight or something like that, crazy because the wizards are on the second leg of a back to back, and maybe Kuzma sits out this one or whatever. They get Kuzma and Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole all resting. All right, suddenly this is nine and a half. So if you're going to see clear movement relative to a key number, I think this was the one that I want to talk about, seven being the most important number. If you're seeing six to six and a half, and it might even get to seven, which is super key in the NBA, just just take it. Take it while you can, figure it out later. So I grabbed Raptors minus six for one unit. You don't need to slam those spots because you don't know how far it's going to go. So when I talk about really putting Thor's hammer into a position. It's not where there's half a point relative to a key number. It's when there's four or five points just sitting there on the board. You're like, oh, holy shit. Um, for that Raptors uh, total, I do see it here at 238.5 on FanDuel, even though Circa says they just moved it up to 240. There's still a lot of books hovering around the 238.5, so I'm not totally uh, baited that the over is the big consensus, so I'm going to hold off for now. I might probably play a little bit. I will track this. I will find a 238, and I will keep eyes on it. There's actually a few 238s on the board, so no reason to rush into it yet. Um, but I, I will keep eyes, and I might very well be on it. Because if that is going to go to 240, then I want a 238 and a half. I mean, I even I wanted 238 at Caesars, or where was the other one? Bet Rivers. Okay, let's talk about Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Nets are the team on the second leg of the back-to-back. Milwaukee Bucks are in a really strong rest and travel spot here. They have the rest advantage on the Nets because the Nets just played the back-to-back against the Pistons. They have the travel advantage because the last two Bucks games have been in Madison Square Garden, and they had two days between each one. So the Bucks have been in New York through Christmas, through Christmas Eve and Christmas, and so they are probably haven't traveled in four or five days. So they should be well rested, nice little practice session or walkthrough or whatever they did needed to do. They probably got that in. Uh, the original concern was 
Giannis being added to the injury report with calf management. I ended up playing this one for three quarters of a unit. I would have loved this spot because of the rest and the travel and the Brooklyn on the back-to-back. But when I saw Giannis pop up on the injury report, I was like, okay, I don't want to go too heavy on it. I do feel with Middleton, with Dame, like Middleton's playing great. Dame has his games. He sometimes plays great. Sometimes he literally doesn't play any defense um, all the time. <laughs> Brooke Lopez, back in Brooklyn. I have pictures of me when young Fids used to work for the Nets and Brooke was on the team and spent some good time with him. And so Brooke is loved in Brooklyn. So expect a nice game out of Lopez. And they can really go to Lopez in the low post against someone who's young like Claxton. Like Lopez will finesse and just take him to school. Like Lopez has so many great post moves, even though he's become a really perimeter-oriented big. The dude, like he is the reason why that rip through foul rule was changed because Brooke Lopez used to just murder people on that rip move and, and get that off. So he's got really good footwork, really good hands. Uh, expect Below to have a great game if Giannis sits. The, the key if Giannis sits would be the under because the pace would definitely slow down because they play in such fast break with Giannis. Uh, however, I don't really have an indication on the way that's going because we are starting to see the Celtic, uh, the Bucks move from 2.5 to 3.5. I grabbed it at three. Uh, you are going, that does make me think Giannis is, maybe there's some insider news that Giannis is going to play. Definitely some money indicating that Giannis is going to play and some movement. Now, does that correlate with people who actually have news? Time will tell. Oklahoma City is a super duper uber goober sharp side for tonight's game. I am the worst person at fading the Knicks. I do it too often, and they put egg on my face every time. Brunson, when Brunson does, he's doing that to me. He's like, shut up, you, you hater. He's definitely calling someone out. He's telling someone to be quiet as he hits his three and puts his three fingers in front of his mouth. I think he's talking to me. Uh, I grabbed Oklahoma City Thunder for a unit and a half when I saw that they cleaned up against Minnesota. They were on the second leg of a back-to-back, but they won by over 20, and it wasn't a super strenuous game, and I they had zero people on the injury report for the game, and they're young, and I do expect them to play everyone in a back-to-back. They have not shown to rest people in a back-to-back. So for all these reasons... uh. I think Thunder make for a really strong spot. Sometimes you could just say, all right, if there's like really sharp signals in the market, just pick up, play into it. You don't even have to always make sense. It was Knicks on Christmas. It was super sharp. I should have played into it. Uh, Maybe the Sharps have figured out the Knicks. Let's hope so. Um, Suns, Phoenix Suns. I played the Suns minus one for half a unit. I, I... Suns are a team that I can't back off of. I couldn't back off of the Houston Rockets on the second leg of a back-to-back going against an angry Booker and Durant who are very much trying to lift this whole team up right now. And I was like, a young Rockets team 
going against, which runs a really nice defensive system, going up against two ISO scorers who are angry. This to me was like, okay, again, the 224.5 was way too low. Way too low. 225.5 right now is too low. So I played that for a bit more than I played the Suns. I played them in tandem because a favorite and an over are correlated. The more scoring there is, the more chance the better team and the talent wins out and does most of the scoring and ends up covering the spread and having a small spread like one or two. You can play into that. So I really like the Suns. Uh, I also know the Suns. We we know who's going to play versus not play for this team. Maybe you get like weirdly lucky with like the Rockets resting some. But again, Rockets are a really young team. I don't expect them to do that. Rockets have been the second best at points against in the NBA this season. Um, They just played the Pacers in a barn burner. And then they come into a back-to-back. So... I'm just connecting the dots of the defensive effort might not be as sharp and there. So, yeah, I think that oh, we also have Cavaliers, Dallas Mavericks. This completely hinges on Luca on the injury report. Luca got added to the injury report with something after his Christmas explosion. I think Kyrie's definitely going to be out. We should have Lively in. Um, he's great with Luca. He's an awesome compliment to Luca having a rim runner and a slasher. Uh, if Luca's going to be out, the if the line moved from seven and a half to four or four and a half with Luca being just added to the injury report. If Luca's out for this game, it becomes like nearly a pick'em. If Luca's back in for this game, it goes back out to six and a half or seven. So I have really no indicators. There's nothing you can really trust from beat writers out on the board. Uh it is taking under action, but I also think that's no man's land stuff because if the Dallas Mavericks are sans Luca. They're going to be missing their biggest score. It went down from 235 to 232, sitting at 232. Again, Luka doesn't play, 229. Luka does play, back up to 235. So sitting in no man's land, it's not really much you can trust. So to go back through it, I have the magic sharp side reverse line movement. I have the over in that game as well because I expect whether it's Pace or Embiid to play that was the direction I originally played the magic less, but I'm going to boost that up. Uh, Raptors, I'm on the minus six because if you could obtain closing line value relative to key numbers, you do it. And I very well might be on the over 238 for this game. The Bucks, I have the minus three. They are at minus 3.5 now. Personally, would be okay playing that. Uh, I do like the Bucks, whether they have Giannis or not in this game. So. You might want to wait on that news. It probably moves to like four and a half, five, if Giannis plays. It, it's probably at a little no man's land with him on the injury report. OKC, very sharp side. I would play it up to the four. Uh, Knicks are Knicks are good. They're scrappy. Knicks, Knicks can ball. Uh, at that point, you could skip it. I wouldn't play. I wouldn't play the money line unless it moved past like a seven and a half to the eight portion where you're getting bad numbers at that point. I'd rather play a spread if it's under the four and a half. This is going to remain under the four and a half. Uh, It's a super thunder sharp spot. That's all I'll say. Uh, Suns minus two, half a unit, and Suns over 224.5. I think that was one unit as well. So that is my board for the Wednesday NBA slate. What is this? We're hitting an hour on the pod. 
I don't normally talk for an hour. Um, I was going to do this fun what if segment on the show. I wanted to start including a fun NBA what if because I'm literally such an NBA nerd that um, I always consider these sliding door moments in the NBA. It's like, what would have happened if this happened instead? You know what? Fuck it. I'll do it now. It's an hour into the show. You're still around listening to me. This is a fun basketball tidbit. We have the Suns playing on this slate. I'm on them for half a unit. I'm on the over. We have Oklahoma City and the Knicks playing on this slate. We're on Oklahoma City. Now, what if what if Durant chose the Knicks over the Nets? Does he bring Kyrie with him? Do they have the pieces to obtain Harden? Is the Knicks kind of the perfect situation for a guy like KD? I mean, stability in the front office and coaching the last few years. If you ask KD the reason why he chose the Nets over the Knicks at the time, it was probably role players and cultural stability. And now if we look at the Knicks, they deliver pretty much the perfect situation for KD. Stability in the in the front office and coaching. A bunch of hardworking role players and pretty much like a even for being in the New York spotlight, that team has like a let's just ball mentality, which is very KD like. KD's like, I don't want to do all the celebrity stuff or whatever. Like, let's just ball. Play video games, talk hoops, smoke some weed, do some business stuff, and then go ball some more. Uh I wonder how KD's reputation would be different. Like, what does he have to do in New York to be a New York legend and an icon? Would he have to have won a title? What if he won a few series? What if he got to the conference finals a la Carmelo? I mean, Carmelo is the king of New York. What What if Durant chose the Knicks? Would I be watching KD on the Knicks against OKC in a return tonight? Would I still be betting on OKC? Very interesting stuff. I, I just like, what if KD? It seems like it seems like his legacy is going the other way because his decision making hasn't been on par with his on the floor game. All right, if you've made it an hour in, you could see just how overtired I am. I made a I made a Tupperware in my water cup. That is the key to sign off. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays. Definitely sign up for the Substack and be on the lookout for a fun giveaway email coming up. Uh, what else do I got to say? I think that's it. Do this outro. I'm so bad at manning the thing. Bear with me. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. And peace out. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.